Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Metabolism and Menopause podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I'm your host and CEO of Vitality OET. We are women's nutrition, health, and fitness company that focuses predominantly women's hormones, particularly as they start going through perimenopause and onwards. We know that you experience so many changes in this time of your life, whether it be hot flashes, night sweats, irritability, brain fog, or weight gain around the middle that seems to have come out of absolutely nowhere. So you go back to cutting calories, cutting carbs, doing a bunch of cardio, yet this time nothing seems to work and you end up feeling worse. But we know now that your body is inherently different than it was prior to you experiencing these hormonal changes. So our mission here is to teach women about how their bodies change during this period of life so you can finally reach your health and fitness goals, feel in control of your body again, live a life full of vitality, and really understand how to take care of this new body of yours. So today, what I want to talk about is bloating. This has been a very common theme that seems to be coming up in conversations lately, where women were like, yeah, like I used to have some bloating, but now it just seems like it's all the time or it's irregular occurrence. <coughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have had a snack before this. Um, but this bloating, it seems to be a very common thing that women are struggling with. They're uncomfortable. It gets worse as the day goes on. Their waistband gets tighter and it just, it sucks to feel that way. You're self-conscious and just, it's just a constant reminder of things not working well, right? So today I really want to talk about like, what is bloating? What causes bloating? And of course, how do we fix it? That's the most important part, um, especially since it seems to get worse once you hit perimenopause and those years afterwards. So first and foremost, what is bloating? Bloating is where your abdomen or your stomach starts feeling full, distended, or even tight. This is typically caused by gas, but it can also be caused by liquids or solids building up in the abdomen as well. So since the main cause of bloating is gas, where does this gas even come from? That's question number one. So there are a few internal causes of bloating that I want to cover here. So one of those things is swallowing air. This can happen in so many places, but a very common one is eating too fast. And this one happens to me a lot. Um, I was actually just complaining to Taylor about it the other day. I had a really bad stomach ache and then I put my feet up uh, afterwards because I was in so much pain, um, just super uncomfortable. And it was, I know it's because I was eating too fast. It's been a recurring theme like two days in a row. And I'm like, okay, I need to start slowing down. But think about it, taking a big breath in often through your mouth as you're taking a bite of your food far more air is going to get sent down into your stomach. And when that happens, that can cause a lot of bloating. So this is actually something that's super simple to change. Obviously, you just have to slow down your eating. This happens when we're go, go, go all the time. We're eating on the run or, you know, we're just rushing because we have somewhere to go, things like that. And so, of course, a lot of air ends up going into our stomach, resulting in a ton of bloating. Um, for me, I'll typically feel it like underneath my ribs on the left side, um, just lots of pressure building up just a little bit after eating, um, where it's just really uncomfortable. And that would be just from swallowing too much air when you're eating too quickly. There are certain types of carbs that are not able to be broken down also fully by the enzymes in our small intestines. So when they travel to the large intestine, they are metabolized by the bacteria there, which causes fermentation, um, and then it produces some gases, which again can also lead to bloating. 
So this is very very commonly called FODMAP foods. Um, They typically fall into that category along with some prebiotics as well. So it is just something to be aware of. However, first try to eat slower instead of eliminating foods because the last thing I ever want to do with someone is eliminate foods because that's not fun. That's not great. Um, So again, try and slow down eating first before you go into trying to remove foods I had tried doing a low FODMAP diet at one point and I think I lasted three days because like you can't have fun, have anything fun. Coach Beth was on it when we were in Florida for a conference um, because she was dealing with a bunch of like pretty intense gut health issues for the past little while. Um, And it made eating out for her really hard because like you can't have garlic, onions, like the things that are typically a lot like going to be present in a lot of foods that you go and eat out. Right. So it's it's quite challenging. Um. So again, I wouldn't go down that route unless a like professional, like uh, a nutrition coach that is highly certified in this kind of stuff and knowledgeable in this stuff or a doctor would tell you. Um, But again, that's kind of like a last resort always because I don't want to tell people not to eat. Um, Another reason for bloating internally can be many of us, unfortunately, lack that enzyme lactase, which helps us break down and digest milk sugars called lactose for proper digestion. And this is called lactose intolerance. This is common in a ton of people. Um, My mom was quite bad for this as well. And there are varying degrees of lactose intolerance. Many people can get away with just fine with just taking like a lactase supplement um, anytime they're going to have dairy. But then other people just never feel good having dairy, which sucks. But again, try and do the other things first before cutting things out of your diet, because that is not fun. Um, And like I tried going dairy free for like two months under the recommendation of a naturopath and um, it sucked. I lost weight really quickly because I was like under eating from like not being able to eat a bunch of stuff. Uh, But I felt like garbage. Like it was it was not good. Um, But I mean, now I have dairy and it's fine. So it was just a matter of really addressing stress for myself and slowing down my eating patterns. That made a huge difference for me. Another cause of bloating is having an overgrowth of gut bacteria. It's not necessarily good or bad bacteria in your gut. Um, It can be an overgrowth either way, and it's just an imbalance in your gut. So um, what we need to know is like we need the good and the bad bacteria in our gut for a healthy microbiome. But when they get out of whack, then we can see a lot of bloating occurring. And this is something that we do see every now and then with some clients. Um, But typically, if we address other things, this isn't too much of an issue. And then also the other reason that you could be experiencing some bloating is chronic constipation, which like if you're not going to the bathroom at least once or twice a day, um, you are constipated. You are, it's not necessarily like bloating and gas that you're experiencing or bloating from gas that you're experiencing. It's a backup of stool. Um, You should be going to the bathroom regularly. If you're not, there's a ton of different reasons for that. It can be from like too much stress, not enough food, not enough carbs, not enough fiber, not enough water, not enough activity. There are so many things that can influence that that we'll talk about in a little bit. But now that you know what like bloating really is, because it's those kind of factors, we can talk about the different types of bloatings that we see in most of the women that we work with. Um, And there's four different kinds. We have stress bloat is by far the most common one. This is the one that I experienced as well from eating too quickly. Um, and this is hap- this happens when you're go, 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 go all of the time. Your body doesn't have a chance 
to go into that rest and digest portion of their nervous system. Um, And instead, you're just stuck in fight or flight. And what happens with fight or flight, if you've been listening to my podcast or following my content, this is something I've talked about quite a bit. But when you're stuck in fight or flight, blood flow goes away from your gut to your arms and legs to either fight this metaphorical bear or run away from this metaphorical bear. Your body is then not able to have blood flow in your gut to help with the digestion process because we need blood flow to the gut to help stimulate things to go through like muscle contractions to help move through, move through, move things through our bowels. So when we're in fight or flight, that really slows down digestion. So that's going to cause a buildup of things in our gut. It's going to cause us to be backed up and can cause a ton of issues with bloating. And this is because like we're in this very big stressed out space in our life. We are in a constant state of fight or flight, even though most women are like, no, I'm fine. Your body is telling you otherwise. Are you tired? Are you struggling with sleep? Do you struggle to fall asleep? Do you struggle to stay asleep? Do you toss and turn? Do you wake up and not feel well rested? Are you skipping breakfast and having coffee on an empty stomach? Are you skipping meals? Are you sometimes consistent with lunch and then other times you're not? Are you having energy crashes? Are you having cravings? Are you doing a ton of cardio and exercise? Are you struggling to put on muscle mass? Are you irritable? Are you having brain fog? All of these things are signs that your body is stuck in fight or flight. Okay, so you might think that you're handling things well, like psychologically, you're like, I'm dealing with it fine. You're not. Your body is screaming at you. Hey, when do we get to relax? Because this is exhausting. And that's going to cause more bloating. And the bloating is going to get progressively worse throughout the day. Because you never give your body a chance to relax for blood flow to get back to your gut to help you digest things to help with the bloating. Okay, so that's the first one. The second one is when women wake up bloated. This is actually a blood sugar issue and can be caused by one, not eating enough at nighttime, um, eating the wrong things at night or eating too much at nighttime. And two, blood sugar dysregulation due to cortisol and high stress. And this is why de-stressing is so important. So for that first part, we talked about, okay, not eating enough at nighttime. This is for people who typically are like, I'm not going to eat past 7 p.m. because I'm going to get fat. No, you're going to wake up probably feeling bloated. You're going to feel exhausted. Um, You're going to struggle with sleep because you're probably going to wake up at nighttime from a blood sugar crash. Having a bedtime snack can be really helpful. But then people sometimes have the wrong bedtime snack. So a lot of people will have something sweet, right? At nighttime, I want something sweet. So they'll have... Their cookies, their chocolates, their chips, their fruit even. Those things digest very quickly and lead to a blood sugar crash at nighttime, which is then an issue. So pairing a slow digesting carb with a protein or fat before bed is super important. So I like to really utilize popcorn and turkey pepperoni sticks, oatmeal with protein powder, or I'll mix in like the Fairlife protein shakes. Um, you can do yogurt, mix in some protein powder in there with a little bit of granola. You can do... <coughs> Sorry. You can do toast with an egg or toast with peanut butter. There are so many options and playing around with that to figure out what is the best option for you is really important. Having that an hour before bed can be really helpful. Um, And then of course, high cortisol and high stress is going to negatively impact things as well. So when we see that cortisol is high, we are going to find that you are tossing and turning a lot. It's going to negatively affect your blood sugars because as long as stress is high and your cortisol levels are high, 
Your body is going to pour sugar into your bloodstream because your body needs energy to either fight the spare or run away from the spare. So as long as you're in a high stress state, you're going to struggle with blood sugar control. That is something that happens. And when estrogen and progesterone goes down, that's already happening during perimenopause and menopause. We're already struggling with our blood sugar control. And if your testosterone is low, that makes it even worse. So then you're avoiding carbs, but that increases your cortisol even more, dumping more and more sugar into your bloodstream despite you not having carbohydrates. Carbohydrates will actually help lower your cortisol, improve estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone balance, and helping you with your blood sugar control and your weight and your bloating. So carbs are good, you guys. You should be eating them. Very, very important. The next one is knowing the difference between bloating and water retention, because bloating is not actually the same thing as water retention and feeling puffy. You can have both at the same time, absolutely, but it's not the same thing. The puffiness is caused typically more by sodium or fluid retention. So fluid retention can be caused by a ton of things. So this will be systemically, like this will be all over your body, like arms, legs, joints, you'll feel it. You'll feel, you'll feel more inflamed. You'll feel more puffy. You'll feel like you have less muscle tone. And this is from more fluid retention, not bloat. So what that looks like is from having too much or too little salt, too much or too little water, um, too much or too little carb, from fluctuating your food intake, from not eating enough food, from having more carb than usual, because one gram of carb is four grams of water, um, needs four grams of water, sorry, to digest. Um, if you had less sleep, you'll have more fluid retention. If your cortisol levels are high, you'll have more fluid retention. If progesterone drops down, you'll have more fluid retention. There are so many things that affect fluid retention. If you want to learn more about that, we did a podcast with Coach Beth um, quite a ways back. I'm assuming it's probably in the 15-ish the range of the episodes. And it's how to measure progress. And we talk about all the things that affect fluid retention in your body. Um, so that's a good one to go back to. And then the next one is bloating after meals. This is typically due to poor digestion or low digestive enzymes or gallbladder um, bile issues or eating too quickly. Um, this is where we want to focus on improving your gut health for this one to really help improve digestion. Um, this is one that I touched on a little while ago on gut health. So you guys can go back and check that one as well. But again, bloating after meals, that's a sign that something's off. But if you slow down your eating, that can make a huge, huge difference. And if you're not having a bunch of water around meals as well, because waters or water around meals will also negatively affect your digestion. So what are the things that we can do to reduce or prevent bloat now that I've talked to you about what causes the bloat, the different kinds of bloat there are, the differences and that kind of stuff. So the first is reducing stress. Again, this is the most important one. If you have not figured that out on this podcast, we have linked stress and cortisol levels to literally every hormonal imbalance, every symptom that you have experienced. So if you don't think that reducing your stress won't naturally absolutely improve every single area in your life, including your waistline, your digestion, the way you're feeling. You're, it just doesn't make sense. Like you need to take this seriously. Like I said, when we are stressed, our body thinks about running away from a bear or fighting a bear. We're in fight or flight. Blood goes away from our gut to our limbs. Therefore, it slows down digestion. We don't have as much contraction in our gut to help move things along. And then you just see this continuing on and on and on throughout the day and the bloating gets worse and worse and worse. And this is, again, that stress bloat that we see in so many women. 
So what can you do to help reduce stress bloat? Because let's be realistic. We cannot remove all stress from our life. That is not realistic. You cannot remove the fact that you've got sick parents or you've lost someone and are dealing with grief or you've got financial stress or you're rushing around with your kids all the time or maybe the relationships you have aren't the best or deadlines at work. You know, you have all of these things and we can't necessarily remove them. So it's all about learning how to buffer stress because as we go through perimenopause and menopause and estrogen goes down, progesterone goes down, we can't handle as much stress. Like before we could handle a nine out of 10 and then we'd see cortisol start to go up and have all these negative side effects. This is why when you come into perimenopause and menopause, it seems like you're having more gut health issues than you did before. And this is why, because it takes a lot less stress to elicit this cortisol response to see these side effects. So now it only takes a five out of 10 to really throw things out of whack. So one of the things that we implement with all women in our program that has been really monumental and amazing. I love getting pictures from people when they're doing it at the office with their coworkers or their families is feet up on the wall for five to 10 minutes a day. So what you do is you sit beside a wall and you then lay down and then you kind of turn yourself. So your feet are up on the wall. So you're making like a 90 degree angle. Legs are up on the wall. Your upper body's on the ground. You could also do this on the bed or use a mat or some pillows to make it more comfortable. If you find being in this position is quite hard on your lower back, just scooch a little bit further away from the wall. You can bend your knees a little bit. You can put a pillow underneath your low back. All those things will really help reduce tension in those areas to make it more comfortable. So you just lay there for five to 10 minutes. That's weird. Let me explain how this works. So remember how I said that when we're in fight or flight, blood flow goes away from our gut and goes to our arms and legs. What happens when we're in this position is we force the blood flow from our legs that goes there during fight or flight to come back to our gut. And what that does is then it allows blood flow to improve in the gut, to get digestion going, to help move things along through your gut, to help decrease bloating. For five to 10 minutes, completely free, once or twice a day, will be an absolute game changer if you can do this partway through your day somewhere. Just that midday point set that doesn't accumulate as you go on throughout the day can make a huge difference. This is one of the things that people are always surprised at how much it helps. Um, If you are consistent with this for a couple of weeks, you'll be so surprised at how much better you feel, how much better your digestion is, how much less bloating you have. And you just feel more confident when you're bloated. You feel like self-conscious and uncomfortable and you're like trying to hide your tummy and you don't feel so great. This is a great way and just boost your confidence, not feeling bloated. It's amazing. Um, So again, you're just laying there, just relaxing, focusing on breathing slowly. You're bringing your heart rate down. Maybe you're listening to a podcast that you enjoy. Maybe you're listening to an audio book, listening to music, or you're just laying there peace and quiet. I know moms who have locked their their kids out of the bathroom. So they're in the bathroom doing feet up uh, so they get some time away. And that's totally fine. The other thing too is before you eat, you want to slow and deep breathe. So this may seem kind of weird, but remember how we said when you're in fight or flight, digestion is just not great. By slowing down your breathing and your heart rate before you eat and being more present at your meals, that naturally takes you out of fight or flight and pushes you into that rest and digest portion of your nervous system to help you relax and improve your digestion. So it allows you to connect with what you're about to do as opposed to just it being in the past or future. It also helps you be where your feet are. You enjoy your food, which is important. And also 
just taking even just five deep inhales and exhales um, in through your nose, out through your mouth, it calms your body down, takes you out of that high stress state and just sets you up for successful digestion. And part of the reason why this works is by smelling food. So, you know, when you walk by like a really good restaurant or for me, it's like when I walk by the grocery store on the days that they have bread being made instantly, you're just like, you feel a saliva. It smells so good. That actually helps you because you need to have adequate amounts of saliva in your mouth to help you start the digestive process and then chewing your food slowly. These things will really help keep you in the rest and digest portion of your nervous system so that you're able to digest better and not experience that bloat. Plus then like you taste your food. Like what's the point in eating if you don't taste it or it doesn't taste good? Like for me, I'm never going to eat something that doesn't taste good. So I should just enjoy my food. You know what I mean? So the next one is maintaining. So the first one was addressing your stress, feed up, eating slowly, take a few deep breaths. Okay. Super easy, simple, also free. Awesome. Love free stuff. Two, maintaining adequate hydration. It sounds so simple. And maybe like we are beating a dead horse with this one because it comes up in a lot of conversations, particularly with our clients. Um, that drinking water is hard. <laughs> it really is. It's something that I struggle with whenever we do challenges with our community or our, our clients. Um, it, water is always going to be one of those one of those tasks that we're trying to do. It is the one by far that I struggle with the most out of everything, hands down. Um, but it's just because just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy, you know. And like water can be boring sometimes, but it's really important for our gut health. Um, so we need water to really help keep things soft in order to mix around with our digestive enzymes in our stomach, um, and like just the, the help to help produce like all the gut juices and everything that we need to help break down food and make it more readily available for absorption. So that's not saying drink a bunch of water around your meals because that can actually decrease the pH of our stomach acid, making it so that certain enzymes aren't released. And then we can't actually break down food as well. It also affects your blood sugar because it makes it so that food empties your stomach quicker, um, resulting in an increased risk of blood sugar spikes and drops, which we do not want. So making sure that you're hydrated outside of your meals is super important because I know so many people who don't start drinking any water until they're at their meals. Most of your water should be drank away from your meals. You want to avoid drinking water between five and 10 minutes before and after your meals to help improve your digestion. But Dehydration, despite what people think, can be a huge cause of constipation and bloating. A general rule of thumb that we like people to aim for is you take your body weight in pounds, divide it by two, and that's how many ounces of water per day that you need. Um, then add 15 ounces more if you are very sweaty or you're working out a lot or you're going to be out in the heat, things like that. The next one is chew and eat slowly. I touched on this briefly already, but put your fork down between your bites and take that time to slow down and actually taste all the flavors, the textures, and really enjoy what you were eating. Again, this one's really simple. Um, yet most of us are like, you take food on your fork, pop it in your mouth, and you're already putting more food on your fork and putting food in your mouth before you're even done that bite. Slow it down. Um, this one is huge. Again, like we said, like if you're eating quickly, you're going to swallow a lot more air that is going to negatively affect your bloating for sure. You're going to experience more of that. But also if we are eating more slowly, we tend to eat less because it gives us time for the signal 
from our brain and our belly to communicate with each other, being like, oh, we're pretty full now. And then your brain gets it and then tells you you're not hungry anymore. But we bypass that because we eat so quickly nowadays and we're always in a rush. Like we're grabbing something as we head out the door or we're eating when we're driving or, you know, we are eating and on our lunch break, but we're not actually taking a lunch break. We're working throughout our lunch break. So we're always just go, 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 go. And we eat really fast, like really, really fast. The average person is supposed to be like, you're supposed to chew your food 20 to 30 times. I'd be shocked if most people did like 10. Um, The next one is eating without distractions and actually sitting down. So this one is one that I am guilty for because I tend to like have my laptop out and be like answering messages while I'm eating or things like that. And, or, you know, we'll, we'll sit and watch some sports games or Netflix or whatever while we're eating supper. Um, and it's not a great habit. And this is because it doesn't allow your senses to be part of the eating process because you're distracted. So your body can't actually connect to what it's supposed to be doing. So your body actually isn't able to produce that saliva as well, or the digestive enzymes, because you need to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, and your gut health is, is no different than this. And we all definitely have times where we don't have an option or we either eat on the go or we're distracted or both. Right. Um, but it's in our best interest to schedule even just 10 minutes to sit down and eat without distractions, um, watching TV, scrolling, social media, working, reading, all those things lead to that disconnection between your gut and your brain, um, which leads us to eating faster, not chewing enough food, not enjoying our food, never coming out of that go, go, go state of fight or flight, leading to more bloating and typically overeating, to be honest. Um, So there are certain foods that can help with bloating or water retention. So I want to add as many of these foods as possible if you're someone who is dealing with a lot of bloating. And of course, if you know you're allergic to any of or any of them or have a reaction to any of them, then eh, don't don't do those ones, obviously. But prioritize the others and avoid your no go foods. So we'll touch a bit on that later. But some things that are really helpful are bananas and avocados. They have lots of potassium, which help manage your sodium levels. Um, and that helps really balance out how much like fluid your body is holding on to. So it can help with fluid retention. Celery provides a ton of hydration. There's a ton of water in there. Um, and it just helps keep your digestive system moving. Um, turmeric, it can help with IBS type symptoms as well as lower inflammation if that's something that you're dealing with. And peppermint is awesome. It really helps relax muscles in your digestive system, um, which is great because again, we're always stuck in fight or flight and everything's so tight. So peppermint can actually really help. Um, The next one is working on your intestinal motility. So intestinal motility is how well our body's intestines um, contract and relax to help push things throughout your your digestive system. Um, And this is predominantly in the large intestine. It's something called peristalsis. um, But you just need to know that your gut actually contracts and that's important. Um, We need to be able to maintain a healthy state of motility for you to avoid bloating. When motility has slowed down or stalled, like when we're stuck in fight or flight, this is when bloating is so much more likely to occur. Um, It gives the food more time to release the gases in the digestive tract because it sits there for so much longer. It takes up space and then it'll create that tight and sometimes even distending feeling that we get with bloating. So things we can do to naturally help with motility are aloe juice. 
So this is a very common one that we all use when we travel. Um, We've traveled as a team multiple times now to different conferences and things like that. And Coach Hannah and I have been on a few other trips as well. And aloe juice is something that is like the first thing that we do. We, We get into our Airbnb or hotel or wherever we're staying. We go to Trader Joe's or to Target or to Whole Foods because I love those places. I don't have them anywhere close to where I live. So that's always where we go. Um, and we are on the hunt for aloe juice to help get our gut going other because travel really affects your, um, your digestive system as well. There are herbs and botanicals, which can be eaten in food or consumed in teas as well. And adding those into your diet on a regular basis will really help support that natural motility and movement in your gut to help avoid any digestive issues like the buildup of stool, constipation, gas, things like that. So the first one is ginger. You can add fresh ginger to foods like soups, salads, smoothies, even bone broth or tea. Um, There are also many types of tea that already contain ginger, which are great. So you'll usually see like digestive health type um, teas will have ginger in them. Artichokes. Yes, even the marinated artichokes that are oh so tasty can be super helpful in supporting and maintaining movement in the gut. Lemon balm, chamomile, Peppermint, caraway can also often be found in teas and drinking a cup of tea a day is a great place to start to help improving that motility of your gut. Um, So if you're someone who really struggles with this stuff, really struggles with constipation um, and bloating, lemon balm, chamomile, peppermint, caraway, ginger, they are great options to have in teas to really help get things moving. There is also something called 5-HTP. It's neither a herb food or botanical, but it is a precursor to serotonin. Um, And a large majority of serotonin in our body is produced in our gut. So consuming that can really help um, with the healthy, to help keep our gut healthy and keep mobility going within our gut as well. Um, But again, I always prefer to do things naturally first if you are able. So what are some things to avoid? if you are struggling with bloating. So again, first and foremost, keep in mind, we always, always, always preach adding things in and doing the feet up, slowing down all the free things and adding stuff in before you take anything out of your lifestyle. So just be mindful around these areas because too much restriction can cause stress and we need to be consciously valuing all of our nutrition decisions for an overall health perspective and not just a bloating perspective. So the first thing that you're going to want to remove is foods that you're allergic or sensitive to. This might be tough, but if we don't ever give our bodies a break from inflammation caused by the sensitivities and allergies, it's most likely guaranteed there will be be bloating on a regular basis and it'll stay that way. This does not mean that you have to avoid them forever, not by any means, when we can take time away from inflammatory foods, it allows the inflammation to decrease, which can make you realize, makes you more, makes you, makes it so you're less reactive to stuff. If there's less inflammation in your gut, then your body isn't like constantly on fight or flight mode, trying to fight things all the time. So having a break and having that inflammation come down can be really, really helpful. Um, and it can make you no longer reactive to some foods, which previously might've caused your bloating and your gut troubles. So that's always helpful as well. But again, this is like a last case scenario. I don't like taking food out of people's diets. The other one is again, avoiding excessive fluids around your mealtimes. As I talked about how that speeds up digestion, it messes with the pH levels of your, 
So it doesn't speed up digestion. It speeds up the emptying of food from your stomach, leading to blood sugar crashes and cravings, um, which again is not great for our waistlines and bloating in general. But then food leaves the stomach before it's really digested as well because those digestive enzymes aren't released that we needed when the pH uh, changes in our stomach acid. So then again, we have that whole kind of like fermentation almost that happens in our gut because food stays in there too long or it's not broken down enough before it goes into our gut, which releases a bunch of gases. So again, very important to avoid water around mealtimes as much as you can. And then lastly, avoid naked carbs. So especially... If you are waking up with bloating in the morning or bloating that is tied to any kind of blood sugar dysregulation, you need carbs, first of all, because remember when I said, as long as cortisol and stress are high, our body is going to dump sugar into our bloodstream, okay? But carbs help bring cortisol levels down, so that doesn't happen. However, you need to be paying attention to the way that you eat carbs. So you should be having carbs. It's important for energy, maintaining muscle mass, for improving thyroid function, for improving our gut health, because that's how we get fiber. But you want to avoid having carbs solely on its own. So this is where people are like, you can't have white rice. I only eat white rice and I am fine. So who? when's the last time you just sat down with a bowl of white rice? No, you have to look at like the, the glycemic index, if you want to call it of the entire meal. So you're not just looking at the carb on its own. You're not eating the carb on its own. You should always be eating it with something. So the way I like to encourage people to eat their carbs is have at least half your protein and veggies first before dipping into your carbs. So if I'm having pasta, for example, which I love and I do eat and I am fine, you guys, but what I do is I'll have chicken breast with it. And I'm not talking about like four tiny itty bitty slices of chicken. I'm talking, I'm have a whole chicken breast on my plate I eat at least half of my chicken breast and then I start dipping into my pasta and I'll have some of my salad before that as well. So you're not having the the carb on its own or first because that'll, again, result in blood sugar spike and drop. But if you have most of your protein and veggies first and then dip into your carbs, you have a significantly lower blood sugar response. Okay, this is important. So still eat your carbs, just don't eat them naked. That's all it is. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is to find out of all these things that I've touched on, what works best for you. Some people thrive on certain foods, whereas others might not be able to tolerate some of them. Fiber is going to be a huge one here. Too much fiber can cause bloating and digestive distress. Or if you have too little fiber, it can cause bloating, constipation, and distress. So you have to find where that evenness is. And if you have large fluctuations in that in a day, you're going to have issues with digestion as well. So for example, with fiber, if you go from like this happened to me, like I typically eat anywhere from like, like 20 ish, like 15 to 20 ish is typically where I fall. I had an incident with white chicken chili, which is very high in fiber. It's delicious. Um, there's a lot of fiber in that. I had it for lunch and supper and then lunch the next day. And then the next five days, I was up five pounds. I was super bloated. My stomach hurt so much. I was so, like I felt constipated, but it's because I had so much more fiber than usual. So making sure that you're eating in a, in a fairly narrow range for fiber is really important because large fluctuations will lead to that as well. So what I did to help with that bloating was I drank a bunch of water. Walking after meals can help with bloating and aiding in the digestive system as well. So I was doing that. I was doing feet up a lot. I was doing abdominal massage to help like try and get things going. Um, And it took a few days, which is crazy. But being aware of that is super important too. So again, remember, 
everyone is different. Everybody's body is different. It's important to remember that certain foods cause gas as you digest them. That doesn't mean that they're bad for you. Okay. So in summary for all of this, because I know that was a lot of information. I want to go over the big things on what to do. Number one, on top of everything else, no matter what you're doing is reducing stress. This is action step number one, feet up on the wall, getting our rest and digest portion of our nervous system stimulated. So we're not in fight or flight. We're making sure we're eating enough food because that takes us out of fight or flight as well. Making sure you're doing your slow, deep breathing, making sure you're having enough carbs, making sure you're hydrated or outside of mealtimes, you're chewing food slowly, um, eating without distractions. And then again, adding in those foods and things to help us with, um, with bloating in general, and then avoiding foods that we are allergic or sensitive to obviously, and not eating carbs naked. So at the beginning of that, I gave you a ton of free things to try, but again, to help you reduce stress, to improve bloating, you need to do those things I talked about, but you need to make sure you're eating enough and eating enough carbohydrates. If you do not know how many calories you should be eating, or you're confused about that, please book a consultation call or message me on Facebook or Instagram. I will always answer and I will always, always, always calculate your calorie intake for you for free. There are no strings attached. I just want to help you get better. I talked to a woman yesterday, actually, who had booked a consultation call. We gave her some outlines on like, okay, here's where you are. You need to get to this many calories, this many carbs, slowly increase by this much per week. She's been doing that solely on her own. She messaged me. She told me that she has not felt better like this in years, that she's sleeping better. Her energy has improved. She's getting stronger in the gym again. And she was actually menopausal for two years. She's getting her period again. This is actually something we've seen in a handful of clients where they've put themselves into menopause early from under eating. So then when you start eating enough, your hormone production can improve again and they actually start feeling better and they get their period back again, which doesn't happen super often. It's happened in like five people that I've worked with personally. Um, but she is, she is one of them. She's not one of our clients. Again, she just did a consultation call. There was no sales pitch. There was nothing. It was just helping her figure out what steps to do so she could start moving in the right direction. So if you want that done again, book a free consultation call or send me a message. I am always, always more than happy to do that. Have a great rest of your day, you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.